Hello there everybody and welcome to the Talking City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. We're not in our fancy little office, our little studio today, which is good because I'm back in my natural position as directing this conversation rather than being questioned by Simon. Simon, like a, like I'm facing down Paxman. My chins hopefully won't be as out as much. So hopefully it'll be a lot more calmer. And with me today, getting the Paxman treatment, is Mr Tyrone Marshall. Ty, how's it going? Uh, very good, thank you, Dan. Very good. I'm, uh, I'm sad I missed that episode. It sounds, uh, it sounds an entertaining in-person part of that one. Well, it's, it's a shame you wasn't with us because we did. Me and Sai did go down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theorists after our little, our little trip to oh, Wolverhampton yes. and all the, yeah, yeah. all the craziness we encountered on the way to Molyneux. That was very fun, and maybe we'll have a little chat about Wolves later on um, when we preview Arsenal. But first, let's get everything focused on Champions League action because City returned to European competition on Wednesday night and they got back to winning ways—a three-one win over RB Leipzig, bringing that two-match winning, uh, losing streak rather to a uh, uh, really kind of happy end. A good win, not a perfect performance, but some really great individual showings. And I think more than anything, Ty, just a real good confidence-boosting display ahead of, um, obviously, a massive game at the weekend. Yeah, you're right. It's a huge game this weekend. And, and those defeats to Newcastle and Wolves would certainly have dented confidence a little bit I'm not sure this team loses confidence quite that quickly but they're obviously going to have some effect the the Newcastle one you can kind of write off you know we, we said on the way to Wolves on Saturday I think in a way Guardiola is probably to be happy to be out of that competition this season and, and City as a club generally are given the constraints on the schedule with the Club World Cup but backing it up with the defeat to Wolves and, and two games that Rodri and two defeats was was obviously not good. Both of those performances were lacklustre, not not enough chances being created, vulnerable to the counter at, at Wolves. So an improvement was required and, and it definitely came last night. It was uh, a fixture City are, are very familiar with now. They've obviously played Leipzig a lot recently and um, normally thrashed them at the Etihad. But this was, a uh, although although the two goals that, that won it came late, it felt like City were, were always in control of this game, really. They created more chances than they have been doing recently and it just felt it felt like a City performance from last season more than this season in a way and that there was a lot more control there um, they, they did kind of lock the game down as they did at Leipzig in a way when they drew 0-0 um, in that game where, where Guardiola made no changes for the 0-0 draw and got a bit of criticism for it but it was similar to that in a way that City controlled it against a team who can be you can play quickly. You can be you can be quick and dangerous on the counter, but City controlled it, had the better chances, and although they had to be patient for it, they did they did deserve the goals and the win when it came. Well, I think it's quite telling that you say it was a performance kind of reminiscent of last season because we saw kind of the tactical approach to be like it was last season, rather than um, Kyle Walker pushing out of the defence and the kind of man in the right wing. We had Bernardo back, um, making a good, uh, a much welcomed return, playing as like a proper winger, um, hugging the flank. And instead of Walker going forward, it was a Kanji going into a midfield two alongside Rodri and then, you know, Walker coming into that back three. And maybe it's a bit telling that, you know, we'll talk about it, City still got done on a counter once again. And that's obviously a bit of a uh, kind of a weakness that's showing. But, they were just so much kind of more confident on the ball, it seemed. Um, and as you say, a lot more of the possession, a lot more control. And to me, you know, me and Simon talked about it at length on, on Monday. To me, it just seems City look a bit more comfortable and a bit more solid when they have... And it, that, and Akanji wasn't even the best at it, not nowhere near as good on the ball as Stones. But when they have a central player moving forward rather than a wide player, it, they just look a lot more comfortable, I'd say. Yeah, they do. The, the structure just seems to work better um, and everything kind of clicks. It, it feels like you know that, that worked so well for them in the second half of last season that it's almost become second nature to them. And you know they, they feel more secure, I think, as a team in, in that sense. And it, it was just a more... It, it was a team that we associate with last season. I think those injuries have kind of forced Guardiola to be more adventurous this season. He's picked teams that are very direct, very unlike him, really, for four out-and-out direct attackers in a way with Alvarez, Haaland, uh, Foden and Doku. And it's it's worked at times, but there's been games such as Wolves where it, it very obviously isn't working. Um, Foden and Alvarez were, were in each other's space constantly, I thought, at uh, Molyneux, and it didn't really work. This was a, a lot better, much better structure to it. 
Bernardo makes a huge, huge difference. You know, I think City have, have certainly missed him, just his ability to to bring a bit of calmness to it. Um, so his return, he's, he's huge. And it did it did just look a lot more like last season's performance. Obviously, having Rodri there is, is huge. We'll, we'll come on to that, I'm sure. But it, it was it was a lot more like the team we've seen last season. And, and even having John Stones back on the bench, I think, is a sign that in the next, certainly after the international break, we might see a more familiar-looking City team emerge. Mm. Yeah, definitely. We will get onto Rodri. We'll get onto him right now. Is it as simple as him being back, City are simply just so much better, and without him, they are just kind of struggle because no player can do what he does. We talked at length on on Monday, and and the two of us on the way back from Wolves is like Kovacic just could not do what Rodri does. What Rodri does at Molyneux is too sloppy in in possession, either losing it or his passes were slack. And I don't want to. I'd be like a bullying him again because I, I I think I went in on length for it length on it on on Monday, but you know Rodri coming back immediately City just looks so much cooler and composed and everyone just just feels more comfortable in their skin sort of thing because they know Rodri's there and he's just such a kind of the the metronome of the side and the protection to the defence. Uh, you know it's almost worrying in a way how important he has become because there is no one who can do his role which as we'll get on to later on is going to be a very big issue for Sunday yeah it certainly is you know it's it's not entirely just down to that but I think a huge a huge part of it is um, you know you're right that there's no one in that squad that can do what he does this is often the issue when you have a player like Rodri I mean he is probably the best in the world in, in that position so to have and he also plays every week the only reason he's not playing is he's got foolishly sent off He's, he's very rarely injured, um, you know, so you're looking for a backup for him who, who might only start eight games a season, maybe. It's, it's difficult to convince another player of that calibre to, to come to even to a club like City for, to start that number of games. So it's hard to find a perfect replacement, but certainly the Wolves game it, it exposed how difficult it is for City without Rodri. Um, you know, Calvin Phillips didn't make an, 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 answer, an arguable case against Newcastle that he deserves that role Kovacic as you say I thought was really disappointed on, on Saturday really sloppy in possession City had no control in, in that game at all they were they were so vulnerable to, to fast attacks and, and, and counters so you know having Rodri there does not only stopping a lot of counters at source and being in the right position but he just sets the tempo as well it feels like he makes everything tick he connects he connects City's game so well and he's you know, he's he, he's like Guardiola's brain on the pitch now. I think obviously they play the same position. Uh, they are arguably similar in in style. I think Rodri's more of a a natural defensive midfielder. Guardiola was, was a bit more of a passer in in that um, in that position. But you know, I think they see the game in a similar way. And, and like I say, I think he is his manager's the manager's brain on the pitch. And without him, City have, have found it difficult. And I think we'll continue to find it difficult. And having him back in the team did make a significant difference. Yeah, I mean, they used to have the perfect replacement and it was Ilkay Gundogan. Yeah. The, point, the, point, the point was he could and did play further forward and he was so good that he, while not being as good as Rodri in that role, could play there, be substituted into there and you wouldn't notice the difference nearly as much. And I think that's why I've said a few times like, I don't know if Kovacic is up to Gundogan's standard. Kovacic can probably do Gundogan's normal role to a decent degree and good on the ball bringing it forward but that's like kind of a risky play when you I don't think he can change it up enough to be the the kind of simple reliable defensive midfielder that Rodri is and now as you say Phillips is the best they've got in terms of replacement because that's the calibre of player who's obviously not happy with sitting on the bench or wants to play more but is clearly content enough to stay and fight for his place or he would have gone in the summer you're not going to get another player capable of doing what Rodri can unless he's capable unless his natural position is further up the pitch or somewhere else on the field and Kovacic is what they wanted that you know wanted, that's maybe more to replace Gundogan by being versatile than just the Gundogan role and, he, and he's proven not to be able to do it so far and you know it leads it leaves a big debate open uh, to who's going to play there on Sunday a debate we'll, we'll get to in part three so stick around for that but even with Rodri on the pitch City's City's kind of regular vulnerability shone its head again. Um, the equalising goal was an excellent counter-attack and uh, Upenda, the striker, kind of shrugged off a kanji to really, really nicely finish into the far corner. When's, it's not, can, is there a way to diffuse this weakness? Because 
against Wolves, as you mentioned, they got done time and time and time again because the game was so frantic and they couldn't get hold of the ball enough. The turnovers were everywhere and every time Wolves, with the pace of Neto and Cunha and Huang, were just getting behind City. And again, it only happened once or twice at Leipzig, but they scored off it. They had a much more control, but again, just that quick turnaround. If you if you miss the if you get played through with the press and the the a smart bit of play which Leipzig are capable of, they go and go and score the winning. Like is that is that just a is that just kind of the quirk to City's system? Like it's almost impossible to get rid of it, but you know the the payoff is you're amazing most of the time. You have so many players up the pitch to help control the ball, help make attacking chances. You are just going to get left with three players at the back who can get done on the counter. Is that is that just going to be accepted, or is there a way to combat it? Yeah, I, I think what what City need to do is is stop the majority of, of counter attacks. And like you say, you compare the Wolves' performance to Leipzig, and it was far far better. Okay, Leipzig score from a counter, but they had far fewer opportunities to exploit that space than than Wolves had. So it was an improvement in that regard at, at this level. And against these teams, I don't think you're ever going to produce a performance or a team that is immune to counter attacks. City commit men forward because they need to score goals and, and win games. They're, they're the best team in world football, which makes them, in a way, even more vulnerable to the counter-attack. So they are never going to eradicate it entirely. When they're playing a team like RB Leipzig, who are great on the transition, we know you know, transitions and counter-attacks are a massive, massive part of German football. A huge part of the Bundesliga. Leipzig are amongst the best at it. So they're always going to be a threat for City and... You know, I think it's just inevitable that in, in most games they play, there are going to be moments where it looks like they're going to get caught on the counter-attack. What they need to do, which is why Guardiola loves this control and the idea of having players like um, Bernardo, Grealish, Mares last season in the attack, is that they can put together 20, 30, 40 passes. And then you've got a structure of players in the right position, covering all the spaces that if possession is lost, then they can they can cut it out. And, and, and stop that counter-attack. What we saw at Wolves was that they were losing possession too quickly and too easily. They were giving the ball away after five, six, seven passes, eight passes, and players weren't set, and there was too many spaces for for Wolves players to exploit. I think in, in, in Germany on, on Wednesday night, that was you know that was much better, much improved. They were keeping the ball for longer. They were allowing themselves to get set, and I think that's what they need, really. What the target has to be to eliminate the majority of counter-attacks. I don't think you're ever going to stop it entirely and it is always going to be the opposition's best route to a goal against City I think that's just a, a matter of fact there will be games where there's there's maybe no counter attacks but you're not going to produce a season full of it so so yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't be too concerned that it happened last night um you know I'd, I'd be more pleased that there was there was far fewer counter-attacking opportunities than there was for Wolves does it make it interesting then kind of the players City signed in the summer because Doku Nunes and Kovacic I think it's fair to say that all of their, all three of them, their best kind of qualities are kind of dribbling with the ball and being a bit more kind of risky with it and trying to get in behind players. And I'm not saying they can't pass or they can't keep the ball, but all of them, from my limited time seeing them, a lot of them, when they get the ball, they want to kind of, their first thought is to kind of try and beat a man, get through, carry the ball forward. We saw it to Kovacic's detriment um, at Molyneux and Doku in contrast is showing real real life with it and then no, not, none of them three started at Leipzig and then Grealish is back in Bernardo's back in um, Rico Lewis starts and then all those players who have been at City longer much more accustomed to what Guardiola wants and suddenly City are keeping the ball a lot more so is it strange that they signed those three players who aren't doing it yet and as Guardiola said himself ahead of Leipzig he doesn't really have the time on the training pitch to get them up to speed on that front and so in a year, as we always say, the buffer zone with new signings, will they be able to do that? And now, is it a risk in playing all three of them in the same in the same team now because they're just not as just not as up to speed, not as capable as keeping the ball ticking as as the players who've been there for two, three seasons. Well, I I think you mentioned there that they're all kind of ball carriers and, and dribblers. Even Vardy, I think you could, you could probably add into that. He likes yeah. to bring the ball out of defence. You know, I don't think it's coincidence. I think Guardiola has said it in previous press conferences this season that he signed those players because of those skill sets that he could see. You know, maybe that was what City needed. They needed ball carriers, and especially in midfield. I mean, it's it, it, having a dribbler in midfield is is absolute kryptonite for a team like City when they're playing a deep defence. If you've got a Kovacic who can 
put together a run that might take two or three opposition players out. If you're, you know, if you're being man marked or you're playing against a, a, a line of four and a line of five, if you've got a player who can do that and just take three players out of the game, it is absolutely game changing for a team like City. So, you know, I think he has done that on purpose and to try and move this team forward and give them something a little bit different rather than just pass, 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 pass. You know, he's he's tried to give them some speed in the game, some players that can that can run past opponents. Um, and, and you know, maybe it will take them a little bit of time to settle. I think, you know, I think they've all made pretty good starts. I think. Kovacic, although he was poor on Saturday, has been good. Nunes has, has looked pretty bright, but it was unlikely to come off really on, on Saturday. Um, you know, it's probably no surprise that last night was more uh, a more City 2022-23 performance when, like you say, none of the the three um, more attacking signings are, are starting. But well, I think it's encouraging maybe that they're looking at players who are slightly different, who give them something different. And it's going to be good to see the evolution of the team. And like... You, know, you mentioned there that the ideal Rodri replacement was was always Gundogan, but he he had worked for Guardiola and been at City for years and, and knew that role like the back of his hand. Maybe in, in 18 months' time, we'll look at Kovacic and think he's the perfect Rodri replacement, but it's it's not a role he's generally had to play before. He's never kind of been the the deepest holding midfielder. Um, so, you know, he, he could certainly get there at the moment. It's, it's probably understandable he's not on Rodri's level or the level that Gundogan could produce in that role but he, he could get there because we've seen players get there before but yeah it, you know it is interesting that Guardiola has clearly signed a different profile of, of player this summer and as a result we'll, we'll probably get a different profile of performance at times yeah exactly I, I like you said there I don't think any of them have been particularly you know Wolves game aside with some of them I think they've all started well individually I just wonder if it's a risk going forward if all three of them start at the same time and Wolves it was pretty much a necessity because other than Grealish there was no other real option to start in place due to injuries and suspension but I was wondering if you'll be wary of that going forward at least this season of if you have all three of them in the same team you're going to have a clear kind of divide of the players who know exactly what they're doing and the players who have just come in and by Guardiola's own admission kind of doesn't expect them to know exactly what's needed of him just yet I think what did Guardiola say um, of like Bernardo and that on his press conference he said I breathe and they know what I want them to do exactly and the players who have only been there a few a few weeks hardly even months it's going to take time for him to adapt to that but so only time will tell but you know it was a win I don't want to get all negative um, three goals uh, Phil Foden Julian Alvarez and Jeremy Doku getting them we will touch on the individual performances in part two but just a word on the strikes themselves three really really great goals all round I'd say yeah they were superb goals um, all very well taken um, Alvarez as I thought was, was especially was magnificent really at, at that time in the game that moment in the game to produce a finish with that that precision with little room in the box it, it was absolutely brilliant and then it's assist for for Doku you know it's, it's a simple pass but he timed it well and it's a it's a good you know a good finish running away and, and obviously the first goal for, for City fans so much to be proud of with that goal with, with Rico Lewis assisting Phil Foden I'm sure we'll come on to both of them but you know a goal a goal made in the academy really so to, to, to produce in that on a Champions League night shows Shows the evolution of this club, I guess. So yeah, in terms of the goals and the goal scorers, a really good night, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll definitely will come on to Rico Lewis and we'll come on to him just after the break so you do not go anywhere. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. You mentioned in their time, where else to start in part two when we kind of delve into the standout performances. Then Rico Lewis, I think, uh, well, we're certainly going to have a go at saying it, but I don't think it's hard. it'll be hard for us to top what Guardiola said after the game. And I'll give you the quote right here. It was, what a player, what a player. I've been a manager for 14, 15 years and lucky to train one of the best players in the world in Barcelona, Lionel Messi, if you didn't know who, who that was. To find a player like him, Rico Lewis, um, playing in the pockets, how he has to move as a holding midfielder, moving in the spaces. He is one of the best I've ever trained by far. Now that is quite the hefty praise. We've heard similar from Guardiola about Foden before as well. Um, and while Rico Lewis, I'm sounding like Guardiola myself, wow, 
He was absolutely exceptional in Germany, playing this the kind of advanced midfielder role, you know, starting alongside Rodri, but then pushing further forward into the more attacking position. He he was spectacular. He's eighteen years old still and dominating Champions League games. It's it's crazy to think how how good he could become. Yeah, it definitely is. It was a a brilliant performance. I mean, you you wouldn't disagree with those Guardiola quotes, but it is worth bearing in mind that it's only a week and a half maybe two weeks since he did admit he can get carried away post-match when he, he called <laughs> Matthias Nunes one of the best players in the world after City had beaten him 5-0 and when that quote was put to him again now as a City player he actually laughed at it it was uh, and admitted uh, that he, enjoy it. he can occasionally get carried away but yes uh, you know it, it was a, a brilliant performance in, in that midfield role I mean and you can see why Guardiola loves him because he is just you know he, he almost looks like a, a Guardiola creation doesn't he he looks like he's always you know, he plays like a robot that has been created by Pep Guardiola for, for this City team. It shows it shows in a way the, the joined up thinking you get when you have a manager there for so long and an academy producing players for that manager that they have managed to produce the perfect, perfect Pep player. Someone that can play right back, can, can transition into midfield or just play midfield on his own. Keeps the left ball back as well. brilliantly, can play left back and do that. You know, just a... He looks a phenomenal footballer, um, and it was a a great great performance. And I wonder if he's you know, he's, he's not had loads of chances this season. Um, and you know, I well, we, you know, we'll come on to Arsenal in, in part three, but I wonder if he's put his name in the hat for for that um, for that game because it's arguably what City needs. Somebody we we've talked about control and controlling players, and I think Lewis fits into that perfectly because he just he keeps the ball, his his movement and ability to always offer. Not just not just with his passing, but his ability to be in the right place to offer for a pass as well is is phenomenal. You know, his his impact, I think it was the way game at Chelsea last year when he came on at half time and his impact there just making City play better. Um and that's something Guardiola said about him previously that he does he makes the team play better. And it's not just his ability to keep the ball, but it's his ability to find space to offer for the ball as well and, and help a teammate out. And yeah, he looks, you know, he looks a serious, serious talent and you can see him getting many more minutes this season. It's almost a wonder that it wasn't him to come on against Wolves over Oscar Bob. Now, I know Bob was coming off of that good performance against Newcastle, but you know, the way Lewis has just completely done what he wanted Bob to do, and you know he had a couple of flashes early on, but then kind of faded, it's, almost, it's even more kind of wondrous that he didn't come on at all during that match, given we know what he can do. I know this was probably... I'd probably say it was his standout performance in a City shirt. He's had some good ones. He scored, didn't he, in the Champions League last year. And he um, he got that, you'd say that Chelsea game, which was one of his first. And I think he was excellent. I think Guardiola kind of waxed lyrical over him after that as well. But I'd probably say as a kind of starting performance, a, a matured performance, it's probably his absolute standout so far. Uh, yeah, I wonder if, as you say, ahead of Arsenal, but even in other matches going forward, like, He's maybe changed his position completely. I think we started this season of him being kind of the reserve fullback. He started against Burnley, didn't he, on the first day? Um, had a, got a bit of the runaround at points by Burnley's kind of exciting wingers, and hasn't had had much had many minutes since. Obviously, the Newcastle game. I think he played at fullback again, um, but maybe he's kind of changed his role in Guardiola's mind completely now. Obviously, he'll still have to go in at fullback if 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 injuries strike or whatnot. But I wonder if his first consideration now is Lewis being in a midfield rather than defence? Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, City have got options in, in midfield. Um, we, we've seen Phil Foden play centrally a lot more often now. Um, Bernardo can do it. Obviously, you've got Nunes and Kovacic as well as Rodri. But uh, Lewis certainly looks an option. And, and like I say, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't maybe get the the option and, and uh, come off the bench against Wolves. It was, you know, that, that felt a really bold call from Guardiola to bring Oscar Bob in in, in that game and to take Nunes off because I think we both said Nunes was it was definitely not the worst City performer in that first half um, and, and you know Guardiola said after the game he wanted Oscar Bob because he's good in tight spaces and you can see the reasoning for that because there wasn't a lot of space on that pitch and you know I've already said how Foden and Alvarez were kind of playing in the same, the same areas and no City players were getting much time on the ball so you can see the reason for that but I think I think Rico Lewis has probably shown he can do that. Um, got more experience to do it, and just brings, you know, brings that ability to keep the ball to City. So yeah, I think he's a, he is definitely an option in midfield going forward. City have plenty of them. You know, his his difficulty in terms of getting games at fullback is that City don't really play a, a left back as such. It's always a, 
a centre half. You know, he's he's not he's not a natural to come in and replace Ake or Vardiol in that left back centre back role. He's just not the same profile of player. The only real option he's got is is right back and you know Kyle Walker. I think it's got that place nailed down. Um, it's been really good this year. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw another. Obviously, the Carabao Cup goal is an option for for games for him. So it wouldn't surprise me if we did see more of of Lewis in midfield and a fullback this year. Hmm. Poor Calvin Phillips, who has one once again gone unmentioned as a oh, city yeah. midfield Sorry, option. Calvin. God bless, God bless. But um, yeah, I think we I think we can all see where. His kind of career is going now, unfortunately, ahead of Arsenal, which we'll talk to in part three. Um, but, you know, you mentioned Foden there. This was almost like his proper kind of coming out party as the central midfielder, I'd say. Like, we've had the Newcastle match early in this year, the win, when he played centrally, but it was Walker playing the right wing and he was actually on paper on the right wing and he was coming inside. And we've had that a couple of times. We tried to have it at Wolves and it didn't work. With Bernardo back in the side and out on the wing, this is the probably, I think, the first time this season Foden's been central, starting position central, staying central, in kind of De Bruyne's role, basically. And he, he gets the opening goal with a great finish into the ground. A really smart finish to know how to know to kick it kind of that in the that into the into the ground so you get the bounce on it. If it was a happy accident or not, it takes a lot of you know skill to be able to do it and it not to just spoon over the bar. Does it, it you know, I know injuries have meant that he's had to play it wide and this, his gradual has been limited, but now he's got his opportunity, he's taken it, he was re- played really well. Surely this is him now, at least until De Bruyne's back. Yeah, I think he, um, you know, he, he deserves more games there. I think we all want to see him get more games there. Obviously, he's, he, you know, he's competing against Alvarez for, for that role and, and Alvarez's impact when he came on was incredible, scored against Wolves, obviously, and... The, the problem with that is that I think I said it to you on Saturday that if you're playing Alvarez in that role long term um, without De Bruyne you almost need another striker because when you want to rest Haaland you kind of want to rest Alvarez too if he's playing every week as well so it was you know, it was beneficial to start Alvarez on the bench this week I think and Foden, Foden you know, he was so heavily involved in the game in, in that role far more than you see when he plays on the right and I, you know, I think he's very good on the right but his involvement in the game First half, especially, he was just you know everything was going through him. Scored his goal, but could have got could have got more. You know, and had plenty of chances. Um, and yeah, just a, you know a really good performance. And I think you know I, I do think we all want to see more of him in that position. You could certainly see an argument for playing Bernardo on the right and one of Grealish or Doku on the left and, and Foden in that midfield role, especially if Rodri is is fifth and Rodri is there available rather and. You know, if you had Rodri and Kovacic as your, your two central midfielders, I think you can certainly play Foden as your third um, and get what you want out of that team. I think the issue is, though, because Alvarez has been excellent this season, probably City's best player so far, obviously apart from Rodri, but that goes without saying. Um, can he play both of them? Because I think that's the issue. He said Alvarez is basically undroppable, didn't he, after the um, was it the Fulham, Fulham win, I want to say, yeah. at the top of Med. Um, can he play both of them? I don't know. If he thinks he can, this might be the only issue. Yeah, uh, I mean, he did say Alvarez was undroppable. He also said City only play well when Nathan Aki plays after that Tottenham game last year and then dropped him a week later. So <laughs> we should never read too much into uh, what Guardiola says over that. But yeah, it's it's worked at times playing them with with Alvarez as the kind of the number ten and um, and Foden on the right. It, it definitely didn't work against Wolves. Um, so it's it's not. You know, it's not a clear solution. And when Bernardo's fit, and if you want to play Bernardo on the right, then it, it clearly becomes a problem that there isn't there isn't an easy way to get them both in the same team. City will have enough games, I think, to to rotate them. You look at you look at the Champions League now. Um, I mean, they win their next, they win their two home games, um, and they'll top that group. So there, there should be opportunity in that group to to play Foden as the attacking midfielder to even play Alvarez instead of Haaland they've also got the Club World Cup as well so there's enough games to go round I think I think playing them both when Bernardo's back available is is less likely um, you know I've already said how that, that front four that we saw at Wolves and saw against Forest is is not is not a, an obvious squad you know the front four at all kind of did something on it after that Forest game and it was the most unlikely you know probably the most um, the I don't know what the right word is, but the team for a manager obsessed with control, it was the most uncontrollable front four. Basically, you know, it's 
it's not a natural selection and it wouldn't be a surprise for, for big games if you saw Grealish and Bernardo play in that position and then if if he's doing that while well, De Bruyne is out injured it's obviously between Foden and Alvarez for, for that central role mm. Well you've mentioned Alvarez there of course a stunning goal um, his second great goal in a week after his free kick against Wolves he's um, he's really kind of coming in clutch this year Haaland isn't exactly firing on all cylinders um, he's not been scoring a lot recently he had a few chances against Leipzig he was actually quite involved against Leipzig but a few chances he was kind of bearing down on goal and he had options to pass to him he kind of didn't take because kind of going on it alone it almost seems like he's he's kind of desperate for a goal a little bit looking to find one when maybe he should be playing the passes and you know teeing up his teammates but you know the greatness of City is that when one player is slightly you know he's still still got a uh, frankly ridiculous a number of goals already this season for the amount of games but when one player is slightly kind of under the weather and not really performing you've got another one who's stepping up and you know as we just said Alvarez might not be undroppable but he's done enough for Guardiola to say that and his goal as you mentioned earlier when City needed you know late on in the match needing the goal they, they panic at times like this as we saw at Wolves you often resort to shots outside the box and that's when you know things are going wrong this was a shot just on the edge of the box but it didn't feel like a it didn't feel like a hit and hope this was a well worked move Doku did well to kind of cut back and give it to Alvarez and then it was a a really fantastic finish yeah it was um you know it was a, it was a stunning finish absolutely brilliant brilliant bit of control um and yeah he he is stepping up big time this season I don't, I don't think it's any surprise really um you know, I've always felt that the issue for for Guardiola and City was going to be how to how to give him enough games to keep him happy, basically. And in a way, De Bruyne's injury is kind of a, a happy accident for, for Alvarez that it it gets him so heavily involved this season. And obviously come, you know, if we if we reach February, March, April and and everyone's fit in this squad, fit the, the selection for that front, those front four maybe positions is is gonna be incredible to see really when you've got Bernardo, Foden, Grealish, Doku. Uh, De Bruyne, Alvarez, Haaland. There's, there's going to be so many options there, and, and keeping everyone happy is is not going to be easy. Um, but at the moment, kind of injuries have made it a little easier for for selections. And Alvarez has definitely taken his chance. Like I say, he he played that slightly deeper role. He is more involved than than Haaland at times. Um, but yeah, some of his goals have been fantastic. His his free kicks have been brilliant. I think that's a clear sign that he. He is accurate and can shoot from distance, and you know, as I've already said, the way he took that goal, I thought was was brilliant. The composure to to do that in a packed penalty area, and the shot was just you know so so accurate to find that top corner. It was um, it was a brilliant cameo from him. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and likewise for Jeremy Doku, who also came on, um, assisted and scored, getting the third crucial goal, and then a great celebration. Not even breaking his stride as he goes into, and I believe the young ones call it a gritty. I'm not particularly certain on that but that's what we'll go with but great execution of that nevertheless you know I talked on kind of on Monday like Doku's really good but he's had a good start but I don't think it's completely you know the Grealish and Doku debate I don't think it's completely negated what Grealish does well into the team what he brings um, and how good he was last year and how important he was to the treble but I do think it's easy to get why people are so excited of Doku just because he just seems a lot more kind of clinical and direct and exciting when he gets on the ball. He's, you know, Grealish in that scenario might not have had the pace to get there, might not, might have even cut back. I doubt it in that position, but that's what he's kind of been saddled with that as the player, he always cuts back and doesn't do anything exciting. He's clearly doing that because he's been told to and he does it really well and he shouldn't be criticised for it. But in contrast, Doku is just such a live wire who will attack players, take shots, take risks, dribble. And that you know, you can you can easily see why fans are already gravitating towards such an exciting player. Yeah, absolutely. He he, he is um you know he is very different from, from Grealish. Um it's gonna be fascinating to see how 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 those two combine really on the left in terms of minutes and and things like that. And you, you know it's it's a subject online among City fans already. It's it's certainly being talked about. It was asked of Guardiola at one of his press conferences last week about how that how that's going to shake up really and it's again it's good to have those options we, we've spoken about dribblers this season the signing dribblers I mean Doku is is probably top of that list he is a, a winger who loves to take his man on and I think we've already seen that he, he can adapt to City he has slowed it down at times but generally his approach is to to run at players and take players on and 
it is very different to what Grealish offers. Um, it's it's good to have those options. You you you've quite always looked at it this year and thought that teams are maybe going to not work City out because I don't think that they're that easy to stop, but that they might look at what they did last season and, and find ways to set up against that City. So we want to have options to to be a different version of City, basically. And Doku is is undoubtedly a, a prime example of that. He's a very direct winger, but he's made a brilliant start to his City career as well. And the the goals we scored so far as well have been been superbly taken. So he looks a, a real threat in the final third. Absolutely, and well, we'll leave East Germany behind now and travel to North London in a part three as we kind of look ahead to Sunday's massive clash with Arsenal. Stay right where you are. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Ty, it's the big one. We had to wait until like January, February, um, maybe even April last year before we finally got um, City v Arsenal. And we're getting it nice and early this time around, only October, um, the first week of October. And the obvious problem for City is going into the match is that they will, of course, be without Rodri again as he serves the last match of his three-game suspension, which leads to the question of who does replace him. As we've talked about, Kovacic did not do that job well there against Wolves and Arsenal are better than Wolves, so you kind of imagine he might struggle again. Didn't play on Wednesday, which kind of suggests he's been rested for Sunday, so maybe he does come in. And then you kind of assess the other options as uh, obviously Rico Lewis is now the highlight. He didn't play the holding role against Leipzig, but came into midfield and was excellent. I think I actually mentioned him as like kind of off the cuff option on Monday's podcast, but didn't didn't think he would get the nod, but maybe he will all of a sudden. Then you've, of course, you've got Matthias Nunes, Calvin Phillips, and maybe even a returning Bernardo Silva, who's no stranger of operating in central positions as well. You know, I think I'm sure it's a question that Guardiola will be pondering for the next kind of three days now, but who, who comes into that Rodri role? Um, yeah, there's, uh, there's some options there. I mean, the, you know, there's, there's three midfielders who, well, two didn't play and one who played three minutes in, in Nunes who came on last night and um, Phillips and Kovacic who didn't play. And you know, I, I don't think it's going to be, it's going to be Phillips. I think it would be a major surprise if it was, but, there's certainly options there. I, I think Kovacic will certainly start the game. I'd be amazed if he doesn't. And I think he'll probably look to play someone alongside him. It, it wouldn't surprise me if it was Bernardo who came in and kind of played alongside him. And City just looked to control the ball more than they have done um, without Rodri recently. I think Lewis could do that job. I think he's certainly an option. It feels a big, big game to, to throw him into. Um, but... He, he looks equipped for it. it. It wouldn't be the greatest surprise in the world, but I think he'll kind of look for two players to do it. I mean, Guardiola said on um, Friday before the Wolves game that, you know, to replace Rodri, they'll look at they'll look at players who can do a different job, basically. It was kind of an admission that they don't have a Rodri replacement there, so they have to look for something different. And I think this game, they'll, they'll probably look for two players to do it and, and maybe go with like that Kovacic-Bernardo combo to, to just try and control the ball and, and keep things keep things calm I think that's that's probably a, a decent shout that's the way I'd maybe go but it is it's you know it's easily the most interesting aspect of the, the team selection for Sunday absolutely and I think I do agree I think you can't have some one player be the sitter unless it's kind of Phillips and he's not going to start in a game of such kind of magnitude so instead if you kind of have Bernardo who's obviously so tactically intelligent kind of doing being a little bit more defensive minded and then you free Kovacic up to do the role he is much more suited to I think just the balance and the feeling of the midfield would just be so much better um I could, I'd see. I always thought Nunes was more of a defensive player, but since he's come in, he's been solely as the more advanced one, kind of always wanting to run and getting behind defenses. So I don't know if that's too much of a risk here, especially because Arsenal tend to play so many attacking midfielders. We'll get onto their own um, issues in a moment, but they're usually starting Havertz and Odegaard in a midfield three, or Fabio Vieira. Like that's a, a lot of players to deal with. So maybe a bit more of a dynamic. You know, Bernardo and Kovacic are usually pretty good on the ball. I could see it making more sense, but I think the only other potential option, one I didn't mention there, and this would be the biggest of wild cards, mainly because he's not played a minute this season so far, so I really don't think it'll happen, but out of anyone who could do what Rodri does, I think John Stones is probably the best candidate for it. He's 
been uh, incredible in midfield himself um, last season coming in a defence and it was a defensive role he was really good on the ball passing it and reading the game could he I'm pretty sure he's played midfield at certain definitely has done for City straight up defensive midfield in times and I'm pretty sure he might have done it for kind of Everton you know that's years ago at this stage but he's no stranger to it shall we say I guess, as I say I'll reiterate I really don't think it will happen just because he's not played a minute this season um, and there are other midfield options but you know there's there's worse I think there's worse options than Stones yeah definitely I, I, I don't see it because I, I just don't think he's going to be sharp enough to, to go into a game like that like say he's not playing I think he's playing the community shield and I think that's that's it at the moment. There are, you're right. There are certainly worse options than him, and I think it'd have, it'd have been him with a real chance of, of replacing Rodri in at least one of these games if he'd been up to speed. I, I, I just don't see it. I think, well, I think Guardiola said on Friday that he'd been training on his own and was due to join team training before or after Leipzig this week. Obviously, he he did train um, and made the squad. The fact he didn't come on last night, I think, is is another check against him for having a chance of starting on, on Sunday I think he probably needed the minutes there and in a game that's going to clearly going to be pretty intense I just you know, I think he'll certainly be in the squad he'll certainly be on the bench you could see him coming on if, if City are winning with you know in the final quarter of the game you can see him as an option off the bench but I just think it's a bit too soon for him to be starting games Yeah I, as I say if in a different sort of scenario where Stones are playing all season and doing the midfield role I think it's a lot more realistic and Probably want to keep you know keep in mind for the future if Rodri ever, ever sees red again. Um, but yeah, probably not for the now. So Bernardo and Kovacic, shall we settled on that being that, uh, that being on I the duo? Think that would be mine. Yeah, I think that's that's the way I'd go. I mean, there are options there. Let's say, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Bernardo ended up playing on the right of the front three just to bring that that control and maybe he plays Nunes. But yeah, I think I'd go Bernardo Kovacic. It'll certainly be interesting to see, but as as I said, Arsenal are not without their injury issues at all. In fact, significantly worse than City. Rice and Saka are both doubts. Um, obviously, Bakayo Saka, an incredible attacking threat. Um, he got injured at the weekend. Did a, got back enough to play on Tuesday night against Lons and had to go off again injured. Uh, Mikel Arteta had been coming in for a bit of stick and starting him in that match. I believe like Saka's basically started every single game for the last four years or something. So there's no doubt that um, there's no surprise if injuries finally catch up. But aside from those two, obviously two crucial players, you've also got Martinelli, Trossard, Party, and Timber who are also completely ruled out. So that's six, six starters pretty much, or at least six of a thirteen of like a starting thirteen if you like. Like Arsenal are kind of really weakened going into this game, especially you know without without Declan Rice and then they sold Jacker in the in the summer. Then without Party as well, they're really kind of lacking um, a, a real solid presence in that midfield themselves. And maybe City couldn't have timed missing Rodri for the match better. And I made a mistake. Rice actually did play against Lons, so ignore me there. I completely disregard my own point. That's why you don't trust <laughs> Premier League injury websites who say you're still a doubt and don't update it. Don't update their update their database in time for podcast research. But Rice is back, so completely ignore all that. But still, as I said earlier, Arsenal do play quite an attacking heavy midfield against Lons, which they lost, of course. Rice, Havertz, and Odegaard. That's a midfield City can get at even without Rodri. Trossard also played as well, so I've done all. I've had the dodgiest research ever. So I can only apologise. I can yeah. only apologise. And Party was on the bench for God's <laughs> sake. So just ignore pretty much everything I've just said. But they are probably might be without Saka, and the midfield is still quite attacking heavy. So we could definitely go on that point. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think Saka would be the the biggest absence they could possibly have. I mean, he's so influential for them, scores or assists pretty much every single week, and. You know, I, I don't think they've got another option in that front three that does the same thing as him. Whether it would be, um, you know, I think I don't, I don't know if Martinelli's fit or not at the moment. Um, I think he's I, injured. I'm pretty he's, sure he's, he's injured. I think I think he is definitely injured. Um, you know, you could be looking at Enketia, Jesus, Trossard as a front three, and I think you know they're all relatively similar. I think you don't have the kind of threats that Martinelli and especially Saka offer against you I think City would fancy their chances of defending against those yeah Smith-Rowe's the only other option Smith-Rowe's another option but I think he started one game in 500 days or something now he's exactly um, and I think you know he's I think probably got um, Arteta sees him more as a midfielder that midfield is interesting at Arsenal it it should 
you know, it looks good on paper. Um, that 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 three man midfield. I don't think it's quite worked yet. Um, obviously, you know, you know things are bad for a new signing when he's been donated a penalty to to get off the scores to get off the mark as Kai Averett was last week. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot to like about that midfield on paper. It's not clicked yet, and it's going to be going to be an interesting contest centrally, especially with Declan Rice and obviously City's interest in the summer. You know, I think he's a brilliant player, so that's going to be one to watch. So yeah, it's going to make it is going to make for an interesting game, and both teams have got their their injury issues. The, I mean, the number of injuries at the start of this season in the Premier League seems incredible. I'm not quite sure what's going on, but it, there does seem to be more injuries than than ever before for for a lot of teams. I mean, a lot of the the big six, especially, mm. have been seem to be pretty pretty badly hit in the moment. Oh yeah, I I did the numbers on this the other day, and now this was off the same injury website that has just uh, told me three players were injured who weren't. So maybe take it with a bit of a pinch of salt. But when I added them all up, and this doesn't just count injuries, it also counts suspensions. And in the case of United, players being unavailable for other reasons. But there was like over 110 players already unavailable to teams. And I think United and Chelsea both had over 12 players injured or unavailable. Um, At least half of the teams had um, at least 10, sorry, at least um, four injured and then West Ham was the only team who only had one player injured. So yeah, it's it's an absolute kind of a bloodbath, bloodbath at the minute. The amount of um, players who are unavailable throughout the league, and you know that's a shame because the, the you know as Guardiola went on the quite the rant um, on Monday ahead of the Leipzig match, which was an absolute pain to transcribe. I could tell you that for free. He was basically you know kind of making it clear that the players aren't consulted when these games are increased all the time and you know we got the FIFA announcements didn't we um, earlier this week that the the 2030 World Cup's going to be played over about three continents and um, the 2034 World Cup's probably going to be in Saudi Arabia so you'd imagine that might lead to another Winter World Cup so that'll be fun and there's just no break in sight for any footballer they're just going to they are just going to get like clover in Animal Farm they are just going to get going to get um, whipped so they can no longer move and then get sent to a glue factory it seems and drained for all sort of uh, for all their resource yeah it does you know the calendar is is absolutely incredible I mean Guardo was asked about it again um, last week in his press conference as well and basically said it's on the players to to sort out you know the managers have made their views but it's the players that count and the players that have to, to do something about it but it is um, yeah it is ridiculous you know we knew we were having the conversation on Saturday about the, the 2025 Club World Cup that City have already qualified for that is in June and July in in America, and that basically turns it into a twelve month season. So it is um, it is a major issue, and like we say, the the injury situation is is probably indicative of that at the moment, and it's only going to get worse. Yeah, and that just means football is going to get worse. So well done, everybody. We've all done a great job at making the game good. Good process. As if we didn't, and not. Uh, Lovely, you've squeezed it in. <laughs> you've squeezed it in. I was trying to squeeze it in at some point, so I, I love that. <laughs> big, big applause. But you know, back to Arsenal. How important is this match at this point? I think Guardiola has said and would no doubt turn around and say it doesn't matter at all. Um, not that it doesn't matter, but that it's it's the the season isn't going to be won or lost in October. And that's true, but the the first Arsenal City game in the FA Cup last year in January was such a turning point for City it gave them such the boost to know that they'd got the win over Arsenal and gave them the momentum to go on and claw them in and beat them on another two occasions Arsenal kind of threw that game a little bit by playing a slightly weaker team where City went full strength and you can try as much as you might and excuse it by saying you played a weaker team but the fact was you'd lost the momentum they lost it and it went into City's sales so it's October, a lot, a lot, a lot is going to happen between now and May. But it does seem like even, you know, the league won't be lost, but it does seem like the, the first kind of half of the season will be set out here by whoever gets the big confidence boost in win. Unless, of course, it's a draw. Yeah, I, I mean, these, like you say, it's early in the season, so it's not, it's not, it's not really defining. Um, but, you know, at some point, some game's going to be defining. We, that's the beauty of it. We never know when a defining, get, defining game is. If City win a title by a point from Arsenal and have won this weekend it will turn out it was the, the defining game so it's you know the, and the games between teams we think are going to challenge for the title are, are always massive whatever whatever time of the season they come if if city go to the emirates uh, go to the uh, emirates and win it's it's clearly a huge statement of intent so it's it's not as big as it was last season at the moment but you know come come may when we're looking back it might turn out it, it was that big and there's always the chance to to lay down that statement. So uh, yeah, there's, there's, I think there's still plenty riding on it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, City have 
a bit of win back in their own sales after winning midweek, whereas Arsenal lost to, at Lons. But Arsenal then won 4 0 at the weekend at Barmouth, whereas City lost to Wolves. So it's really, you know, and there's only a point difference between them so far this season. So there's, there's really not a lot to call between the two teams. Maybe the injuries on Arsenal's side might be decisive, but of course, City without De Bruyne are in their own right and basically Stones after he's only just come back. So the question, the final question of today's podcast is, of course, what score is it going to be? Uh, I'm going to go for the draw that you've just mentioned 2-2 Ooh, interesting interesting I think the injuries might just cost Arsenal City will nick it I'm going to go 2-1 to the Blues if, if Saka's out if Saka's in maybe a draw maybe I'll agree with you but you know City the, the, to, to carry on marching on and we will no longer be doing because that is the end of this week's Talking City podcast. Thank you all very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back next week. I'd imagine probably Monday at some point, Tuesday latest, to talk about all that, all the, of what happened at the Emirates Stadium. I'm sure it'd be an interesting one so we can have another big, long chat about it. But until then, for all the latest uh, City analysis, news, reports, opinions, and especially coverage from Sunday's massive game. You know where to go. It's manchestereveningnews.co.uk forward slash Manchester City. You can follow us, even though there's pretty much little point on this deaf platform anymore, on Twitter, at Man City MEN. If you're still on it, I salute you. Maybe none of us will be on it for much longer with the way it's going. It'll be sinking like the Titanic, I wager. But we're also on Facebook, Manchester Evening News, Dash Man City. On YouTube, where you can watch this podcast in living colour and Manchester Evening News, Dash Man City. We're on TikTok as well, Manchester Evening News, Dash Man City. All the social media platforms, we are on them. So go and give us a follow, give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a review if you fancy, give us a comment, give us a chat, all that jazz. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week, and it's goodbye for now. Terra.